You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. made his first appearance in May of 1939 in Detective Comics. Since then, Batman has become a cultural icon immediately recognizable around the world, having appeared in a number of series both solo as well as part of various Justice League teams. You can imagine that when you look at the breadth of comics he has appeared in, not to mention movies, TV series, and games, it's difficult to come up with an original idea. I don't claim to be an expert on the character, however, I have read a number of the comics of watched the movie and TV series, both live-action and animated, and I played the Arkham games, though admittedly not to completion. That's why I was pleasantly surprised by Telltale Games' Batman series. They managed to create an original hook, one which has profound consequences for both Batman and, more importantly, Bruce Wayne, and I love it. The beauty of Telltale's work is that it isn't tied to a large portion of the existing continuity and so can branch off in directions the comics are simply not allowed to go. Bruce's parents always died in an alley after leaving a movie theater and stupidly taking a shortcut down a darkened alley. Bruce always chooses to fight crime, instilling fear in his prey through bad imagery and broken bones. And up until the end of the first episode of Telltale Games' Batman the Waynes had always been pillars of the Gotham elite, standing for everything noble and good about the city. Now, if you haven't played through the first three episodes currently available, please note there will be some spoilers. However, I'm going to try to watch what I say as you two have only played through the first episode, right? I haven't even done that. You haven't? I've gone I've gone halfway through the first episode. I have reasons. Uh, we'll talk about them. Right. I haven't had the time or energy for games that don't involve sticking moogles on my head. <laughs> There's something to be said about how cool that is. Speaking of which, (laughs) just a very, very short aside on that. I'm like getting towards the end right now. I've gotten through the Crystal Tower. Which end? Okay, well, I'm at the Crystal Tower. I made it all the way to the top and I beat the four guys and I'm about to go through the very, very colorful portal. So I don't know which ending that is. I don't know. First one, probably. But yeah. Holy crap! And hell, did it ever get cool? I, I just got to the the prison. Oh, so you've gotten to the underground prison, the with where you learn how to uh, capture the robots. Isn't that awesome? Oh God, I, I, I was nerding out so hard when the castle came out of the sand. Like you can ask Alicia, I was like, oh my God, it's it, fucking Edgar! It was awesome too because it introduced an entire new mechanic now. Mm-hmm. So you lose everything you've worked, well, not lose, but all of your, your mirages are gone. And now you got to tame, not tame, but, and it's not in prism, whatever the hell they call it, uh, mechanical mirages now. So I thought that was a, a fun kind of game changer. Yeah, I, I did not see that interesting little twist coming. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it gets better. Back to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason that I thought you two would have played it is because it was the first episode was free on uh, at least on Xbox. I don't know about the other platform. Uh, 
So I figured you'd play through that first episode. I've, I've played through all three. And again, I'm going to be a little careful, but there are obviously going to be some spoilers. The The biggest one is at the, the end of the first episode, you find out that the Waynes actually were tied to the the worst of Gotham and that they were part of uh, uh, not just a criminal underbelly, but along with Falcone and one other person, they were kind of, uh, well, more so Thomas Wayne, but they, the, the three of them ruled all of the criminal elements in the city. And then when you start the second episode, that's when Bruce is kind of finding out part, well, not immediately at the beginning, but part way through, he, he's kind of finding out and he's going back to the alley and he's doing some typical telltale kind of research where you go around and, and looking at stuff. It was well done though, because you're getting it in, in form of uh, flashbacks and whatnot as he's trying to remember more of of what what occurred, and then you're getting moments where he is talking to Falcone, who you put in the hospital. Well, I I put him in the hospital in the first episode, and he's telling you that yeah, he and Thomas were buddies, and they worked together. And as the game progresses, and even into the the third, I actually I think it was more so introduced in the third episode. You find out that a lot of people who went to Arkham, actually Thomas sent them there. And he shouldn't have. Not necessarily. It wasn't always because there was something wrong with the person where they needed to go to a mental hospital. But that they were either standing in his way or their way or it could be any number of things. So there's a number of patients that were sent to Arkham that should not have. One of them being Cobblepot's the penguin's mother and you find out and so Cobblepot is introduced here in a different way and you get to see him in the first episode and you see that he and Bruce had a friendship as Bruce and I can't remember his name his first name uh, Oswald Oswald that's right saying thank you uh, the two of them had a, a friendship because they were both from very rich families and then you see that Oswald's got some plans for the city and they kind of portray him again differently than what we're used to seeing the little short Danny DeVito type of character and still got that same cruelty however and there's still a lot of planning going on and so as the series progresses you can see his plans for what he wants to do to the city and part of it is completely destroying the Wayne's legacy and he does a damn good job of it and then you have all of the in in typical Batman fashion because they have among the best villains of any superheroes um, you get to see everything with Dent with which we've seen many many times now however they kind of play it off a little bit differently in terms of why he why and how he becomes Two-Face. And, of course, he's running for mayor, and so you have a lot of moments where you act as Bruce. You have a choice, but you act as Bruce to help him out to a certain degree. Once the Wayne's name becomes 
caustic, then all of a sudden he chooses to try to go at it solo, but he still wants your money to go through. So once again, more choices of, do you continue to support him or do you say, no, you don't want to stand by me. I'm not going to stand by you and give you my money. There's a lot of really, really cool stuff. Not to even mention the Catwoman stuff, which I thought was really well done actually, because right from the get go, you realize they realize who's who they, they recognize each other from scars. They gave each other during a freaking balls out fight. That was great. And then, speaking of balls out, you get to some of that later, too, in, in the saxophone portion of the show. Um, but, yeah, there's some really cool moments between the two of them. And depending on... I'm curious how it would go, depending on some of the choices that you make, if you are much more um, straight-laced with her and view her as a common criminal versus the typical way of looking at it, which is, it's complicated. And they do still have a relationship, and you see that in the comics as well. And that's the way that I took it down. Uh, Not because I was looking for any kitty action so much as I just wanted to see how Telltale would then try to make something original out of that. And then you have the Vicky Vale character as well, and they kind of threw in some hooks there as well. So, all in all, again, there's some really spectacular moments. The first episode, I I played it all in one sitting. Each of them I did in one sitting. But the first one, I played through it and I enjoyed it because, again, it's Telltale and we love Telltale games. And I like the choices. I like that your Batman can be pretty brutal. Like, this is taking place not long after he's become Batman. So he's still kind of, not, not green, but there's a lot more leeway in terms of just how you where you want to take him. And case in point, when I took out Falcone, I skewered him. That was one of the options. You skewer him on rebar, and it's filmed as well, so the city starts to fear you. And then from there, then on, you have a lot of choices that you can make, which are brutal again. And I've been choosing a lot of those, not because I'm trying to play like you, Vince, so much as... What the hell is that supposed to mean? You know what I mean. You're you, an evil you, fuck. You just, take just pride it. in it, let's be honest. Uh, but the reason I've been doing it is because even in the Injustice comic book series, which for folks who have not read it, highly, highly recommend it. Go out and pick up those those series. It's It's, it's really quite good. But even in that series, which branches away from continuity, so it's it's allowed them to write some very original stuff. Even in that, Batman is still Batman. He does what's right. He does not kill and all of these things. He, he, he bends the rules certainly a little bit more, but he's still Batman. And here... I haven't reached a point yet where the option is there to kill. Uh, I might have missed it if it's come up yet. Maybe it will at some point. I don't know. But it's it's a very unique way of playing Batman to be that much more um, aggressive. And that's saying a lot when you consider the character. But again, when you toss down Falcone on a piece of freaking rebar for the character, that's fairly extreme. So... 
I'm really liking the nuances that you can go from that and still have integrity when dealing with different people. And again, your, how people are relating to you is not both combined Bruce and Batman per se, but how you're acting and reacting from both of those characters as you play them. So, so far it's been very, very good. Again, I'm leaving a lot out purposefully because I would like people to play this game including you two, if you ever get around to it, it's, well, don't forget I'm halfway through. Like, it's not like, it's not like I haven't played any of it. I'm probably about an hour in. Right. No, I mean the other episodes as well, not just the first episode. Uh, Fair. But it's, again, we love the Telltale games with the exception of the Michonne series. We've been largely impressed with everything that they've done. So, and And this this is where Roger kicks me off the podcast. Well, I have, and, and I know Vince has also loved a lot. But the um, but this here, while the first episode starts a little bit slower and has a lot of stuff that is, was almost expected kind of thing, it does have some surprise little moments in it. And especially once you start that, that storyline of the Waynes not being who anybody thought they were that's a game changer and from that moment on episodes two and three and i'm I'm looking forward to the other two you really are dying to find out a the truth and b how it's going to affect bruce moving forward not even batman who i don't give a rat's ass batman will always bear bruce how is this going to affect bruce what's going to happen here and and that says a lot again for a batman game it's it's everything that they promised so far and then some because i was not expecting a twist that i didn't see coming a mile away see and and this is where like hearing that doesn't actually excite me and the reason being and i'm and i'm blanking on the series but that's a story arc they've done in the comics already at one point where Batman's family has been discredited, uh, let me rephrase, where Bruce Wayne's family has been discredited and he's been thought or been tried to convince that his family was in league with, you know, all the the, the evil seeds of, of society. This Wasn't is not that a unique part story. part of the, uh, the Hush story? It was exactly part of the Hush story. Thank you. Because I couldn't write, I was thinking bandages, 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 Hush. Because it turned out that in the comics, it was Hush's family that was doing all the bad stuff. And he tried to pin it all on the Waynes and ruin the Wayne name. So this isn't a unique storyline. Second thing that I'm having a really hard time getting into the characters because I'm feeling like the voice acting isn't on par with the other Telltale games. Really? And I'm going to hold on. I'm going to admit that probably part of that is because I have a preconceived notion on how Batman and these characters are supposed to sound. I freely admit that. But there's something I don't want to say off-putting. But it just it's just not catching me like some of the other voice actors have done in the same roles in other media. And I understand that it's a different media. It's a game. But I'm having a hard time getting into it. Uh, The other thing that I'm having a difficult like just difficulty with is some of the dialogue lines almost feel stilted. And this is the same problem that I had with Michonne is that it seemed like it was something being shoehorned in to like give you artificial choice in a character that's already been fleshed out. And, and 
that was my fear going into Batman Telltale Games version in general is when you have a character that has such a wealth of background already and is hailed as a cultural icon, even in like the 12, the book this way was the 12 staples of society or modern society or whatever it is, Batman's listed in there. The Batman comics are in there as a cultural icon. It's hard and I'm not saying it's an easy task for them. It's a very difficult task to sort of work with that in a game context. And I'm feeling that struggle. And again, that could it very well just be me. And that's fine. It's just I, I don't know what it is. It's just I, and it's not that I hate Telltale Games or anything like that. If anybody's listened to it, I love Telltale. I absolutely adore Telltale Games. The art style is fantastic. I think that the combat system and the interface is actually really well done. Um, I like the fact that it has sort of the heavy rain feel to it when you're interacting, where the buttons are laid out either like against the item that you're interacting with or the fight sequences actually feel really, really fluid. Uh, it feels like a better version of what we got in uh, our Borderlands Telltale yeah. series, you know? But it's just, there's just something off about it that's not drawing me in like I think it should. You know, it's funny, and that's why I said I'm not an expert on Batman. Hush is one of those series. I have the freaking graphic novel. My daughter bought it for me for Christmas one year, and I still haven't read the goddamn thing. But again, we did comic book informer for years, and when you're reading tons and tons of comics, you don't always have time to read what you'd like to read. And so Hush is actually one of the ones that I never read. I'm going to have to go back and, and, and read. Highly recommended. If you oh, like yeah. the story hook, highly recommend it. Yeah. So that's why I hadn't read it. And, and there's going to be a lot of people who are in that same boat as me, who, even if they've read a lot of comics, which again, Christ, we've, I've read thousands of comic books over the, the period that we, we did uh comic book and farmer. So, but it, that just never was one. And I'm thinking some other people might be in the same boat. Uh, now, that said, I will say this. I, oh, hold ahead. on. Let me go back just to one other thing that you said because you were talking about the voice acting. The only thing about the voice acting for me, of course, was that it wasn't Kevin Conroy. And, and that's the voice of Batman. However, we've seen and I should say we've heard a few other voice actors take it on. And I was all right with this one. I I was perfectly all right with the the all of the voice acting actually and i i did not find it stilted in the least some of the lines certainly but that's because i equated to again it's comic book writing to a certain degree so you are going to get some lines that are sometimes a little groan worthy but i don't hold that against it and overall i didn't think that overshadowed the story again for me personally so the voice acting didn't bother me and the writing did not to the point where again as it progressed i thought the writing was quite strong and i really enjoyed it and in in that's definitely valid for you know a, a point of view right and i'm not gonna say troy baker does a bad job he i think he does actually a really good job um with what he has it's just it's something about it but it's not him that i find the problem uh travis willingham his harvey dent that's if i'm if i have to go back and pinpoint it it seems like he it's delivery there a little bit really because Elf, i didn't mind it at all there's just something that's not catching me and i don't know if right. it's because it doesn't feel almost it's again, this is all subjective and I really do apologize for that. that. I don't no, want no, anybody you're to entitled think to you your shouldn't. Opinion. Well, I don't want anybody to think that I think that they shouldn't play this game. Absolutely. You should. And as a matter of fact, I mean, 
I played through enough of the first episode that I just went and bought it so that I can play through the rest of it because I feel at this point I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. I'm going to give this game a, a solid review from front to finish. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give it a, a chance to, to sort of flourish and grow on me and maybe later episodes will convince me uh, of everybody's station. But like uh, what I've heard from James Gordon is is a little just doesn't catch me. I love Laura Bailey as Selena Kyle, though. I will absolutely say that. And I like Richard uh, McGonagall as uh, Carmine Falcone. I think they were fantastic. There's just something. There's just something that's not gelling for me there. But absolutely, everybody should. From what I've what, what I've seen so far with my own two uh, two eyes, from what I've experienced myself, this is definitely something that you should play and form your own opinion on. If you're passingly interested in Batman, absolutely. If you're a diehard Batman fan, you may be in the same boat as me, and you may have some minor quibbles. Which, let's be honest, if you've listened to any podcast I've ever been on with these guys, you know that I pick out the little details and they bother me to no fucking end. It's just how I am but you may not be bothered by them. You may actually see the joy in that and, and things like that. Give it a try. Absolutely give it a try. It's it's worth it. It, it is worth trying it for the simple fact of, like, the interface, the combat, and, and that stuff is fantastic. And then due to the voice actors strike that's going on right now, some different information has been coming out because of this. And we essentially found out that Telltale is also working on another comic book IP. And it looks like we're going to be getting a guardians of the galaxy game from them. That has me very excited. <laughs> I have to say that would be friggin' awesome. That I'm also, I'm actually very excited for that because while I like guardians of the galaxy, I don't have the same, emotional attachment to them that I do to Batman. It's not precious to me, so I could actually probably enjoy that a lot easier. Wait, wait. And also, you could fuck up Guardians of the Galaxy as much as you want. Oh, it's been and fucked up how many years? Exactly. exactly. Like, they would be just like, how yeah, sure. Rebooted? <laughs> as long as they, they don't introduce talk, they a freaking magic mirror, they'll be alright. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's actually... More so than even the third season of Walking Dead, which I am looking forward to. When I heard about this, I was like, oh, do it. Freaking do oh. it. That's what I want to see. Did you hear the latest uh, rumor details about specifically Guardians? No. Uh, from Laura Dale, who uh, was the one that broke a lot of the early Nintendo Switch uh, at the time that were rumors, but everything turned out to be completely confirmed again with her sources in the industry saying that, uh, because it's going to be on the Nintendo switch in addition to everything else, the guardians of the galaxy game is the episodes are going to release weekly culminating in the release of the actual movie. So it looks like it's going to be a direct lead in. That's interesting. I don't know how I feel about that. Because they do better when they're not tied to any rules or, or, or continuity per se, and they mm. just play with it. So, but that being said as well, we're definitely going to be seeing the second Guardians. So if this is an interesting story leading up, yeah, that'd be awesome too. Yeah, it could just be, you know, a side story or a prologue or, you know, it doesn't have to be like directly like tied into the film specifically but you know it could be this whatever they were doing you know around the galaxy in between the two movies i'd be okay with that definitely yeah okay you've got a lot to talk about with andromeda go for it yeah this week or this week this month's game informer cover uh story was on 
Mass Effect Andromeda. And I love it when they do like these big website things with their with their cover games where it's not just okay it's it's not just an article in the in the magazine but they over the course of a month put out a series of articles with all their information and there's a lot of really cool stuff here (laughs) and bioware being bioware every article kind of has the disclaimer of they don't want to reveal too much (laughs) but the one that that had first caught my eye was when they did one of their little uh 100 question interviews with uh what's his name god I, i've already completely forgotten <laughs> the the director of the game A- and it's the the usual irreverent almost like funny interview with little bits of actual uh information in there but you definitely get the feeling that and this comes up in a lot of the other videos and interviews and stuff over the course of the month that they know where they fucked up. <laughs> they, they know they tried to do something that they weren't able to accomplish with Mass Effect 3. And they're very much moving on from that, but also learning lessons. How Andromeda is going to be more more contained. It, it, there might be a sequel, there might be a trilogy, but for now it's just a game that if if they decide to to branch out from it we'll see where it goes but they're they're definitely learned learned their lessons about writing too big and not being able to live up to it so i I, i'm actually getting really really hyped for andromeda after a lot of the stuff we saw here i like that they're also studying a lot of the multiplayer stuff from uh mass effect 3 and using mm-hmm. that as part of the gameplay mechanics for Andromeda because that shit was phenomenal. That was fantastic. So the more they can do with that, the better that means combat is going to be in Andromeda. Not that there was anything wrong with the combat in the standard Mass Effect portion, 3's combat was great. <laughs> so a, it would stand to reason that this is going to be really, really quite good. Mm-hmm. And, and they're also talking about how they've added in, you know, the entire extra dimension of, you know, having a jetpack and being able to jump and hover and fly around. And it, it's going to be more fast paced, but still with those RPG elements that make it Mass Effect. Yeah. Uh, some of the other stuff that they that they talked about uh, loyalty missions, which were the I don't want to say the best part, but a very important piece of Mass Effect 2 uh, are going to be making return, which I'm very happy to see. They talk about how it's not necessarily going to have a mechanical effect like it did in Mass Effect 2, but it's just extra content for, you know, for you to get to know these characters. And they're actually taking a lot of liberties with that of since it's a side quest, since it's very specific to one character in your crew, they can take a lot of chances and do interesting new gameplay things that they can't do elsewhere in the game. Uh, so it's going to be really exciting to see what kind of new stuff they can come up with there. Uh, we also got to look at the voice cast and the, the concept of the game as a whole, even <laughs> that uh, the writer character, there are two of them. They're a twin brother and sister. So whichever one you choose to play, the other will still be there as part of your game. Uh, we got the uh, voice cast. The male writer will be voiced by Tom Taylorson and the female writer by Frida Wolf. And in what has to be an incredibly huge spoiler, their father, Alec Ryder, is voiced by Clancy Brown. Which, as we know, means he's evil as shit. Yeah. 
Kind of has to be, yeah, with that voice. It, 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 it's it's impossible. It's like when we were talking about Daredevil season two. We knew who the bad guy was the minute he showed up on screen because it was Clancy Brown. Yeah. But yeah, the the story is going to be revolving a lot around the Ryder family and their involvement in the Andromeda mission, which uh, I believe they said takes place, well, started at least between Mass Effect 2 and 3, if I'm remembering correctly, but is now 600 years in the future because that's how long it took to get to the, you know, the ass end of the galaxy. So it's it's going to tie in a little bit, at least with like the history of Mass Effect, but definitely be its own unique thing as well. I will say going back to Clancy Brown real fast, my mm-hmm. opinion of him has changed just a tiny little bit because of his role in Sleepy Hollow. Because he doesn't play an asshole in there or an evil guy. <laughs> and so we kind of got used to seeing him playing a good fatherly type of figure. So I he might be all right in this. We, we don't mm-hmm. know for sure. We got a little bit of information about two of the new crew members, Liam and PB. Liam being the uh, Freddie Prinze type character. I forget what the hell the guy's name was. I always just refer to him as Freddie Prinze from <laughs> Mass Effect 3. Of like the uh, He's a former police officer, not military, but you know, he's the one that's loyal to Ryder and will see things through to the end. And then you have PB, which she should be very interesting. Uh, she's an Asari. And they've gone out of their way to really set the characters of Andromeda apart from everything previous to the point where they were far along into development and actually scrapped an entire character because it was too much like an amalgamation. Like it it was basically you could break it down too much of like, oh, yeah, it's Garrus and Thane. Like so just to throw two names out there, not specific, but they said it was it was too similar to character stuff they'd done in the past. So they scrapped the entire character. So they go out of their way like this is not like any other Asari you've ever seen. (laughs) She's wild and just (sighs) there's absolutely no reason for her as a character to join up with Ryder other than they can help PB to her own ends. She's not a team player. She's boisterous. She's loud. She's funny. Like it's. It's going to be a, a nice uh, addition to the crew. And like, like we said, something different from what we've seen in the past, specifically from the Asari. Well, it fits still with because I've only seen screenshots, a couple of screenshots or the concept art where she looks like a young Asari as well, which fits in with what we saw. Define young. Exactly. She could be like 300. <laughs> yeah, but for them, that's still young, yeah. which is their period of rebellion. So mm-hmm. it kind of fit in with that when I was reading that. Yeah, so it, it that's that's definitely some cool stuff, and then a, a little look at the new alien race, the Ket, but we really don't know anything about them story wise. And another interesting article they had was how Andromeda is going to be taking a look at romances, where they said in previous Bioware games, romance was basically like a checklist of things that you had to do, like oh yes, meet the character. Like, it, mechanically it wasn't very fluid and it didn't feel romantic in a lot of ways it was just your typical conversations that you had with any of the other characters but there's a heart option at some point whereas with andromeda they're taking things and and trying to make it more realistic yeah you're you're you could have that long slow burning romance with a character that you slowly come to know over the course of the mission or you could also have you know a a fun fling or things like just like how life, it, not every romantic 
entanglement is the same. And they even say some some of the sorry good choice of words, not romance entanglement. I listen. <laughs> you, you hear Rain that? Alley? Too good. <laughs> and, and they even said like some of the romances don't have to be you know physical romances and they straight up referenced the awesome Garrus and Shepard shooting sniper rifles in the Citadel scene like you can have a bromance where it's not an actual romantic interest but you do become a very close friends with someone so Bioware has come very close to doing good with their romances but I think they, they still have some work to do so Approaching it from a different way is, I don't know if it's the solution, but I'm glad that they're trying new things. Nothing in my mind will beat drunken tally (laughs) at the bar when you are having a romance with her. That was the best I've ever seen in any game for romantic options and conversations. That, Mm -hmm. That beats all. Yeah, like some of them have been fantastic. Like the yeah. Garrus romance was great. Uh, I've gone on and on over the years about how much I loved the Jack romance from the, uh, Mass Effect 2. Shane, uh, too. Or not Shane. Um, uh, yeah, no, the lizard, the the reptile dude. Thane. Thane, that's what. Yeah, the stuff with him, if you play a, a femship, oh, my God, is phenomenal, especially because it carried through into three when he was sick. That was incredible. Or like even with Dragon Age, like some of them were very good. Uh, Liliana was good. Uh, Iron Bowl, Cassandra. Like there were some really good romances. There were also some that were like, I have wasted a lot of time in this game pursuing <laughs> a romantic angle that was not fulfilling in any way whatsoever, Josephine. I thought you were going to say the male elf. Because <laughs> my male Dragon Age character nailed him. And it was like, oh, my God, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and they're not done yet. Uh, the next announcement or next update, if you will, is uh, scheduled to go up tomorrow. So we may have a little more to cover here, but I was very hesitant about this because we'd seen so little about this game. A teaser trailer here, a small reference there. But now that we're starting to get larger amounts of information, I'm I'm feeling the Mass Effect hype train coming down the tracks again oh, yeah it's gonna keep coming too for sure yeah okay let's move on to final fantasy 15 that is and i was about to say we already talked about final fantasy yeah, no. <laughs> no this is final fantasy crappy news not <laughs> awesome world of final fantasy stuff did you watch the conan shot the the the, the whatever he clueless gamer whatever they call it he calls it I actually didn't. The Clueless Gamer things, I I feel, stopped being funny after, like, the third one. (laughs) This was good only because of what we found out about the game as well. Joe, did you watch the video? No. Okay. Well, basically, he's playing with with Elijah Wood. I don't know why Elijah Wood, but Elijah Wood is out there. Is that actually Elijah Wood, or is that that guy that looks like Elijah Wood? No, that was him. That was actually Elijah Wood. I know the video that you're talking about. And... They they start playing now again. I'm like I don't mind Conan, but he's far from my favorite late night talk mm-hmm. show host kind of thing. So it's not like I'm enamored with him that everything he does is hysterical. Far from it. But this was funny just because it's how I perceive that I would react to the game 
because literally they're at the beginning and he's like, when is this going to start? Essentially, like, what is going on here? Why is, how is, he even asked at one point, how is this a game? Something along those lines. Because like they have to get out and push the car through the desert. And he's like, how is, what, what the hell? And they had to skip ahead at one point just because it was so mundane and stupid. And the guy who mm-hmm. was there was trying to find something interesting for them to do. And so at one point he shows them the massive, I don't know if it's a dragon or it's a, some fucking huge creature that they have to fight. And we saw part of those in different gameplay footage over the years now that they've been talking about. We, we've seen that creature. But what I, I don't know if you knew this, I certainly didn't. That boss fight lasts 72 hours. Like he told them it takes three days to beat that thing. And both Conan and Elijah Wood were like, like three in-game days. You mean he said no? It takes three days. It takes seventy-two hours to beat this boss in the game. Now, to put that into perspective, if you work a full-time job, minus your lunch and your breaks, if you played this game during all of your time working. It would take you over two weeks of playing full time during your work days before you beat one boss in this game. That is the most idiotic fucking thing I've heard in a long time. Like it was. It, so I remember back in the day during Final Fantasy X when it was released and it was all happy fun times and. Me and two other buddies took two weeks off of school because it was during the winter break and said, fuck it, we're going to have a vacation and we're going to play this game and beat it from start to finish. And it took two weeks for all of us playing in shifts constantly to beat the entire game, not just get to a single boss. What the fuck? Yeah, this is one boss. And I don't know if it's the end boss, if he kind of bounced them around because that was partway through the video like after that he moved them to another section to do something else but that was there it, it, it strikes me as one of those fights that you're not supposed to win but if you really 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 want to you probably could pull it off again over two weeks of full-time work to beat one boss is idiotic waste of fucking time like you're not going to get anything out of this except for a guy trying to trophy. remember this this isn't a new thing to square. I think I, there was a boss in Final Fantasy XI, I believe it was, that like the top guilds in the world, it was, I think, a 26-hour fight in an MMO. They had to change it because people were literally almost dying at their keyboards. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. That was eleven. Yeah, I, I just think this oh, is man. idiotic. Like, if... <laughs> If I needed one reason not to play this game, <laughs> congratulations. 72 hours for a boss fight that, again, at best is going to give me a trophy. There's no other, there's nothing. You're not going to get anything out of this. In-game items, certainly, that are useless. It's a standalone RPG, like, it's and, and bragging rights, which, if you're bragging, about spending 72 <laughs> hours killing a boss in Final Fantasy 15, you are, wow. 
you need to really experience what life really is all about because this ain't it. <laughs> Trust me. Well, as they as they say in certain parts of the uh, the U.S., bless your heart. Yeah, man. Okay, let's move on. You had some Persona Five news as well. No. <laughs> I seem to recall you saying that it would not be pushed back again. I'm almost positive. And my my justification for that was the game is done. They know how long it's going to take to translate and record. And that was accurate. No, it was not accurate. <laughs> no, no, no. Because no, that was accurate. It, they are pushing it back. If I wasn't so sick, because, I'd find a fucking clip because and in my interpretation of Atlas's statement, somebody done fucked up. <laughs> How? What's their uh, specific statement here? Is the Japanese release of Persona 5 smashed all our expectations, and as a company, we decided that we owed our fans the very best effort to make Persona 5 our gold standard in localization. Practically, this means redoubling our QA and localization efforts, even returning, even returning to the studio to record previously unvoiced lines. That strikes me as somebody fucked up and the voice acting or the translation was just wrong or bad because like it's something is kind of weird here to me. Like it why would you be adding voice acting to lines that didn't have voice acting to begin with? Like it, I don't know, something seems a little off here to the point where they they said that as part of delaying the game until April 4th now instead of February 14th that they're actually going to offer dual audio options uh, where the Japanese voiceover track will be free DLC. And like I said, this is something we talked about before, that that costs them a lot of money because that means they have to pay all the Japanese voice actors again. <laughs> so it, it it feels to me like they're not happy with the English voice acting and they know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with the English voice acting. So they're trying their best. They're pushing it back. They're re-recording a lot of dialogue and then also putting in the Japanese track because they're not, they're not comfortable with where they are on the English track. So somebody fucked up something with the, either the translation or uh, the voice acting. Cause I, I don't think I'm, I'm, fairly positive atlas is not one of the companies involved in the uh, voice actor strike so that shouldn't be what's affecting this but some something went wrong well, somewhere. who's publishing it atlas they're their own oh, publisher. their own publisher okay then yeah they're not one of them at least i don't believe so okay all right when is the actual uh, new release date i can't remember now april, april 4th yeah okay well that's not too too bad still it is getting pushed back mm-hmm uh, I've been playing more Hearthstone lately. I had not played through Karazhan, the expansion. I picked it up, but I hadn't played it yet. I was just kind of backburning. I wasn't looking forward to going back and recreating all of my decks because of cards that weren't allowed anymore and all that bullshit. So, but again, sick for the last three weeks now. So I thought, oh, what the fuck? And sat down and I played through all of Karazhan. And man, am I ever glad I did because. Right? Freaking awesome stuff. I I absolutely loved every portion of that. And I thought about it again today, too, because I was, again, I've been playing a little bit more every day, too, for the quests and whatnot. I, uh, hell, I played against a, a game against Sinister today, and I beat his ass. Ha-ha, mister. 
<laughs> I'll rub it in because I was not expecting to win. <laughs> and, uh, but I've been having a little bit more fun, and especially with some of the cards that they introduced in there and whatnot. And I'll let Joe go through it a little bit more. But it again, compared to what I'm expecting from Streets of Gadgetstan there, and, and also because Gadgetstan, the freaking pre-order cost is 50 bucks. Yeah, you're getting 50 packs, but they're not... From what I've seen so far, at least, they're not allowing you to just buy the expansion without all those packs. Hopefully they will. I'm sure they're going to simply because like, they did the same bucks. thing for Karazhan when it first came out. You had did the they? option of buying that plus X amount of packs at a discounted price. Oh, I didn't um, see that. Oh, uh, yeah. So when Hearthstone first came out for 50 bucks, you got a pack and you got 50 packs plus the all wings. Oh, yeah, that. Um, but I didn't know they'd done that for Karazhan as well. They did that for Karazhan okay. and I believe they did it for whatever the uh, not Nax. It is something similar for Nax, but it wasn't 50 bucks. It was like 30 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. But not to talk about gadgets because that's that's in the future. That's coming later. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the glory that is one night in Karazhan. That that's not a only, perfect word for it too. <laughs> it, it really it is. was glorious. It really was, folks. It was a ton of fun. So anybody who's been playing Hearthstone knows that a lot of the the joy comes from interacting with the various cards, players, and environments. Well, Karazhan was kind of an important thing because Karazhan is often hailed as one of the best raids that they ever put into the, the World of Warcraft back in Burning Crusade. It was it was the bee's knees, so to speak, and so much so that they even went back to it in the MMO now. Uh, so having it come here was just sort of a logical extrapolation. But what makes this great is the characterization of all of the players. Uh, Medivh has the, the playboy sort of... You know, party goer that sort of screams seventies disco going on. Morose is sort of the dutiful <laughs> the butler. He's the he's the he's the man boy companion. I Let's love him. And the the and the lines that he delivers are absolutely fantastic, especially in things like I don't know the chess event, which is one of the things that they included here. Which thank you, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, like he tells you about things that are going on, or sometimes there'll be like communication between you know, him and you as Medivh or whatever the case is. And it's, it's always well done. Um, and it tells a good piece of story too, which is kind of the weird thing. Yeah. It's not just like a random, here are some cards, go have some fun. There's a story which starts with like, okay, Medivh's getting ready for the party. Malkazar is really angry that he didn't get invited. <laughs> well, now he's going to try to fight you. So you fight him, you beat him. Well, now you're sucked into the twisty another piece. Like it's stuff like that. Like it, it feels like a story expansion as opposed to just some extra cards, and which is something was, that's happened in the past. Which was what was also very cool, I found, is that uh, right from the get-go, that very first match, you're not playing your deck. You're not playing your character. You're playing Medivh and Medivh's deck. So it immediately puts you in the story. Like one of the things that I liked about uh, some of the other expansions, which I've played a couple of them. I, I didn't play the League one because I wasn't interested, but I did play through the other ones. And what I liked is that one of the things that Blizzard does very well, or I should say the Hearthstone team does very well with this game, is introducing new game mechanics as you're playing to make it interesting and different and fun. And while the other ones all did that to a certain degree... Karazhan took it to a whole new level. 
And right mm-hmm. from the get-go, when you go in, again, you're playing as medieval. Now, all of a sudden, you have to play with the cards you get there, which, of course, are insanely overpowered. But you're fighting an opponent that also has insanely powerful cards. So immediately, you get this this whisk, this feeling of being whisked away into this this story. And because we know Karazhan from, from WoW... We knew what to expect from there, that it's going to be a hell of a ride through each of the tiers to get through to the end. And and yes, it was. And and, and talk about mechanics, like and I hate to go back to the chess fight again. No, I don't. I absolutely. Oh, no, no. Fight. That chess fight was amazing. It was brilliant in the implementation, because unlike here's the cool thing and why I loved it so much. You don't attack per se. You don't choose what attacks what you do this by where you place your minions that you summon. So like you Which control are, you have to say weird. as well that like for anybody who hasn't played, your minions are actually all chess pieces. Yes. So you're not playing with your deck. You're playing with chess pieces and each piece has a specific ability. And at the end of your turn, with the exception of the 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 knight, the knight which can actually charge and you can pinpoint who you want to attack, but the others don't attack until the end of your turn. So you have to place them where it makes the most sense to get the most damage so that you can either take out your opponent's chess pieces or hit him directly. Yeah, and and that's what I loved about it because it made you actually think about where you were putting things down, which is something that while it has always been a mechanic of Hearthstone, I don't think I've honestly given a shit about until this fight. All overall, it is... It is probably the best expansion I think that they could have done, and it's going to be really hard for anything to hold a flame to this. Yeah, yeah. No, each one was great. Like you were saying to the like the the lines and whatnot, the the quips throughout in each game because each of your opponents has a character. And and when I say that, I don't mean they 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 you know they're all characters. No, they each have character and a hell of a lot. Like when you're going up against the magic mirror, mm-hmm. and he's like <laughs> calling you the man butler, grandpa. At one point, there's that one line: "Shut up, grandpa," or not this time, grandpa, or whatever. Like the delivery, the, the delivery of each line is spot on and beautiful. And then you have again each of the mechanics in the different fights like we've talked about fighting the silverware that fight was so much fun tons <laughs> of fun you're you're literally fighting the silverware and plates and stuff and it's hysterical and then when you're fighting the mirror well now you've got new mechanics where now there's a copy of every card that you're putting out going out once again makes sense cuz you're fighting a mirror so each of the the different tiers as you're going up floors to get to the roof where the portals are each one had a really distinct feel and had cards that made you kind of reevaluate how you would play because there is a point obviously where you start playing into your own deck as well yeah, that's all i got it's just honestly if you are even a, a passing fan of hearthstone this is worth your time uh, i believe the first wing is free to try um, like as with all their other expansions like Max and, and things like that, they were free. The, the first one's free and you can buy the other ones with gold or you can spend 20 bucks and get the whole shebang. Um, I'm not too proud to say that this is one of the few times I've actually thrown money at Hearthstone. Oh, I did as well. 
I like I said, I pre-ordered it before. For me, I wanted to pre-order because I wanted the card back because it's got those wicked colors in the disco. Of course you did. Metal. I had to have that one. And and I figured oh, I probably will wind up playing it anyways because, of course, it's a TCG. And and there's like literally no buyer's remorse. They, it was a little on the short side, but that's only playing on normal. You then have the option of going back and doing the individual challenges or doing it on Heroic. So there's still a lot more gameplay I'm going to get out of it. Uh, but and, and I say that I played through it on a day again where I was quite sick, had the day off. And so I put in a number of hours and played through it all. But it was it was really, really well worth it. I would put this above any other expansion that they've put out so far. And that includes Nax, which oh, I really down. thought was quite good. Um, so, yeah, this one here, if you're thinking of trying it out, it is worth the money. Plus, the cards that you get are unique and fun, and you can really do some some fun stuff with it in, in a deck as well. So, definitely highly recommend this expansion. Definitely. Have. Who knows about Gadgets, and we'll see when that comes out. But this one here, man. Absolute blast. Voice acting's great. It's definitely one to play with earphones on as well so that you're hearing the music playing throughout, which really puts you in that frame of mind that you're at this freaking crazy Kara party. And and it works. Works definitely. Also, I want to I want to give credit where credit is due. This expansion is single handedly put one night in Bangkok back on radio stations. <laughs> no shit. I've heard it more since this. Than any other time, and one of the DJs in my local area admitted that he started playing it because of this oh, expansion. That's funny. that's funny. All right, did you guys see the uh, Last Guardian trailer, the new one that just just came out? No. Yeah. My thoughts exactly. I. It bothers me that everybody has the same art style except for the lead character, and that it's so drastically different than everybody else. It's almost like they didn't have time to complete his his character assets, which is kind of funny when you think of the decade plus that they've had for this fucking game. But I really was not impressed. I've never been especially impressed in what we've seen of the game over the last year. So this really eh. didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Okay. Last thing for me, I finished my goddamn SWOTOR. Last character. <laughs> I have my little legendary icon at the end of my, my character name, which means jack shit, and I wish I got more for doing it all. <laughs> but let me tell you, I put that motherfucker on display as soon as I got it, because <laughs> I did not do all this work for nothing. But uh, I finished off the Jedi Counselor, and that's one of the classes that starts really slow, and I've started it and stopped a number of times over the years. But holy fuck, man, if you play it through, it's actually a fantastic storyline. It really, really ramps up and you get some fantastic story arcs going throughout. Not to mention some pretty interesting companion stuff as well. Not the best companion stuff by any stretch, but you do have some pretty interesting stuff that happens. Because I finished every single companion as well for every single character. So I'm done. <laughs> I just need to finish the current stuff. I still haven't done the goddamn um, HK chapter. I, because there was, it was hell. I had to submit a ticket. But um, 
but I'm going to be doing that. But yeah, everything's done now, so I can. I'm looking forward to Eternal Throne coming out. So, all right. Was there anything else either of you guys wanted to pitch in before we wrap up? No. No, we got we got the 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 good Final Fantasy game chat out of the way, so we're good. Yeah. Not yet. There's going to come a point where I really want to talk about that Dwarves game. Okay. okay. Next week, maybe. <laughs> Maybe next week. How are you digging uh, Pokemon quickly? You know what? This is honestly probably the best Pokemon I've played. And right. I don't say that like as just like a fan of this the series because I actually thought X and Y was pretty boring. Um, it's actually interesting. There's a, actually a, a little bit semblance of a story and it's not traditional <laughs> gyms. And there's... I, I tried the demo and the demo is quite literally the same shit that we've already yeah. done. It's 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 always going to be the same formula, but at least what they're they're decorating with is prettier this time around. And I like the interface a lot better too. Yeah, it was a little bit better. It definitely does look better. I will say that. But again, I was Finally. hoping from the demo <laughs> that there'd be something different. And I played through the demo and it was like, this is the same exact shit. Well, again. I mean, it's going to always be Pokemon. Like it doesn't matter. You gussy it up. You, you, you put a nice little ribbon on it. You give it some little rouge on the sheiks. It's still Pokemon. It doesn't yeah, really matter. I, I call bullshit on that because they can do something different. It doesn't have to be the same story every single time. So anyways, we are actually planning a really fun pocket monsters episode that we're going to air sometime in December. We're giving Joe and whoever else is going to be playing those new Pokemon, a chance to finish it off, as well as World of Final Fantasy. We're going to be talking about a few other, both past and current, um, again, Pokemon clones, just Pocket Monsters game, like Nino Kuni that, yes, it's older, but we can use it as comparison. Um, there's also this Yokei, Yokai, whatever, watch. I played the demo for the second one. And it's got some interesting things to it. And also Digimon and anything else. And we're going to have a few guests as well for that episode. So really, really looking forward to that. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And with that, that's going to call it a wrap for tonight. I apologize again for missing last week. But as you can still tell from my voice, I'm still getting over pneumonia. So it's it's not been the best of times. I tried to kill Roger and it didn't work. It didn't Sorry. work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm weak, but I'm still here. Anyways, so you can check out the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually Joe's Loaders at J. Vince Simodian and I am Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys probably next week. I run out of money and luck. So I bought me a ride down to Macon, Georgia on an overloaded poultry truck. I thumbed on down to Panama City, started picking out some of them all-night bars. I hoping I can make myself a dollar making music on my guitar. I got the same old story, them all night tears. There ain't no room around here for a guitar man. We don't need a guitar man, son. So I slept in the hobo jungle. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. If you ever take a trip down to the ocean, find yourself down around Mobile. 
Make it on out to a club called Jack if you got a little time to kill. But just follow that crowd of people, you'll wind up out on his dance floor.